All right, this is Darker Days Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and tonight I'm joined by Chris. How's it going, Chris? Uh, it's good. It's, uh, yeah, still enjoying lockdown, not commuting to work, uh, working from home. It's great. I have more hours of my day for painting toy soldiers and writing freelance stuff, so it's good. Oh, and yeah. decorating. <laughs> I'm decorating my house. I think that's what everyone's doing now. I'm stuck in my house, I'll decorate. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Not having a commute is pretty nice. Although I think our uh, our third host here does unfortunately have a commute. Chig, how's it going? How are you uh, this fine Saturday? Sunday? It's Sunday, isn't it? Oh my Sunday. Gosh. It is Sunday. <laughs> uh, all is chaos and and plague and death, but I'm muddling through. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm really excited to uh, discuss this night's episode uh which is crossovers crossovers in chronicles of darkness and uh world of darkness as well you know it's a popular topic which a lot of people are curious about uh there is a lot of advice on the internet some of it good some of it not so good so we're going to kind of pick through some of that and uh also tackle some specific uh listener questions which are uh i'm, I'm pretty excited to do but before we get to crossovers let's do a quick game update Whoosh. So, uh, we don't have anyone down for a game update, but I don't think I've talked about my gaming lately in the past, like, I don't know, eight months. Um, and there's been quite a bit of it. Oof. Let's see, went to PAX East, you know, back in the, the before times and uh, ran a bunch of V5. Been playing in Chris's Wrath and Glory game, uh, which has been a, a real blast, uh, exploring uh, the Warhammer 40,000 setting in a bit of a different way, you know, using a role-playing game for it. And then also, Chig, we were playing Fallout using the Genesis system, which was uh, really exciting. You you kind of made a, a bit of a custom game based off of some notes online and some uh, additional rules from the books, and uh, it was a rad time. How'd you feel about the Fallout game? Uh, I enjoyed it, but uh, I always question whether or not anybody else enjoys the games that I run. So oh, I, I had a blast. You really you really I'm made the uh, the Fallout world come alive, especially. Um, I think I think. I mean, a lot of it was really good, but when we got to uh, Rob Coppolis and talked to that Mr. Gutsy, you did a really good voice for him. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> Don't tell anybody I do the voices. <laughs> oh, he does the voices. He does the voices. It was a good time. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we we barely made it out in a uh, crazy train chase that made uh, Mad Max Fury Road look like, well, I guess a big budget film. But ours is pretty good, too. <laughs> Oh wow, second. we're gonna we're gonna get more of that with um the uh, Mad Max Fury Road with things coming up soon for events. We'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah, cool. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh in that in that case, Chris. Actually, that's a great segue. Let's move on over to the news segment. So, uh, news segment wise, uh, what's out? Well, uh. On topic for our theme, the fact is uh, Contagion Chronicle is now on print-on-demand. So that is a that's a Kickstarter product from Onyx Path Publishing that covers the Contagion Chronicle, which is a book of crossover. Uh, yeah, let's just say it's a form of Chronicle crossover for all of the Chronicles of Darkness, and it gives you plenty of ideas and rules in there, which we're going to talk about a bit later, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, also, Cubicle 7 is finally moving ever so closer to uh, Age of Sigma Soulbound uh, being pr on, uh, printed and delivered, so I am massively excited for that. 
uh, because Soulbound is such a great system. We had a, a good blast running a one-shot for that, and it'll be good to it to re-explore the Mortal Realms. Uh, also out for that is the starter set for Soulbound. So that's out on PDF, and that gives you uh, perhaps one of the greatest insights into the Mortal Realms of Warhammer Age of Sigmar, which is the city of Brightspear, which is this... Um, Oh, magica mechanical city that's that's got some deep darkest dungeons of it, which is more than likely tainted by a lot of Zinchin cultists and so forth. So uh that's that along with their quick start and other scenarios means there's plenty of um published material that you can play through for that. Uh I can't think there's if there's anything else out for World of Darkness or Chronicles of Darkness right now. Um, I think we've mostly got very soon uh, Kickstarter coming up will be, I think the the next World of Darkness Kickstarter we're expecting is mostly World of Darkness Ghost Hunters, which will be a for the mm. 20th anniversary line. And that's going to be really interesting when that finally hits. So uh, when we hear about that, we'll share the link to that on social media. Yeah, I think it's when this episode drops, I think it will already be on Kickstarter. Wow. Um, so that'll be uh that'll be pretty cool you know i've always wanted to do an episode where we uh interviewed a couple of real life ghost hunters just to kind of like get some ideas from them you know it's it's a topic that comes up a lot especially in chronicles of darkness really that's where i feel like the uh you know troop of ghost hunters getting into um a real <laughs> a real pickle as a, a pretty classic one shot so i think kind of asking those kinds of folks for those ideas would be pretty awesome um mm. So if anyone knows any ghost hunters, give us a call and uh, set us up with an interview. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And what else is going to Kickstarter or has been? Uh, oh, uh, Scion Demigod got funded. So I don't know much about Scion, so someone else could talk about it. <laughs> uh, I, I played the first edition of the game, and I'm familiar with the uh, second edition existing. Yeah, I know uh, Crystal is actually uh, pretty into Scion, so we can definitely discuss that game further with her on the show sometime. Yeah, is she not? I think she's developing something. Is it one of the stretch goals off the Demigod Kickstarter? I I, I can't remember now, but I'm sure she said something about developing something, maybe, or something is in the works, or she's writing on uh, a, a book in particular. But yeah, she knows Scion really well, and I think because it's kind of like that gods in the real world kind of setting where they're very much present. Um, I think it is, um, I think my problem with it is it's a bit like playing a superhero game. Sometimes it's like, how do I get into this with, you know, suspending my disbelief on it? I find this sometimes a bit difficult, but Hey, it'll be good to mm. find out some more. Well, the, uh, the, the first, first edition of the game had a real, uh, speaking of superheroes, a real fun mechanic where uh, if you were too flagrant with your power usage, then you would draw mortals into your story, you know, kind of like Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen would be around or Lex Luthor to uh, to counter your Superman. Uh, so that was a I don't know if they carried that over to the second edition, though. Like I said, I'm not really familiar with the second edition. Hmm. And I don't think there's anything else then of interest release-wise that we're picking up. Anything interesting Kickstarter-wise that, that anyone's backed or backing? I know Air, is it Arium, uh, which is an RPG system, recently finished on Kickstarter that um, I backed. Uh, but I think that's, uh, again, something for another day to chat about. Mm. 
Uh, I actually did back uh, a month or two ago the new edition of Twilight 2000, which is ah. a um, a a post World War Three uh, sort of role playing game, and um, that was probably a mistake. I don't think I'm ever going to play it, but uh, I know that Pete and I are playing an episode where we're going to discuss some of the previous editions of that game. Um, just as like kind of an analysis to see what we can learn about game design by looking at them, because there's some really, really weird mechanics and uh, uh, interesting gameplay cycles that were designed for them. And I think it would just be a good time to just talk about it and see what we can learn about role-playing games from these very, very detailed uh, uh, simulationist games. And isn't the new this new version though also is that not um, uh, being cr- developed by Free League? It is, yep. Who yep. did Alien that we obviously reviewed on a previous episode. So Yeah, and also uh, did uh, Mutant Year Zero, which has a similar yeah. kind of hex crawl system. And this new version also changes the the main setting location from the US to uh, the Nordic countries, I think. There's so the the, the original setting is Poland. Uh, that yeah, is usually okay. where it takes place. And it still has the Poland setting in it. However, it also has a uh, Sweden option, which cool. uh, is interesting because they are famed for their neutrality. So uh, it'll, hmm. be, uh, it'll be, I don't know, kind of interesting to see what kind of geopolitical reasons they come up with for it being involved. Awesome. People have yep. to get those knives. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think that's it for the news, and we should move on over to the main topic of this episode, crossover. So, you know, we have all these show notes here, but I think an interesting way to kick this off is to discuss what kinds of crossovers we've all done in the past with Chronicles of Darkness uh, and World of Darkness. Uh, I, for example, um, I love to use... I usually don't cross over game systems. I don't really have like, let's say, let's play Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf the Apocalypse at the same time. But I do like to bring in certain elements from from different games. I really like using Promethean the Created in pretty much anything because they they cross over really well. Um, there's a lot of as as NPCs, a lot of good options for them to uh, to take place in the stories of pretty much any supernatural creature. And then also, I really like mixing and matching uh, uh, Vampire the Masquerade and Vampire the Requiem, you know, just kind <laughs> of stealing a bunch of ideas, you know, using like the circle of the crone. Uh, that's definitely a lot of fun to do. Uh, but what about, what about you two? Um, what crossovers have you done in the past? Okay, so I think some of the most obvious ones uh, in Mage, obviously, uh, you know, it's quite easy to dump in things like uh, a character from Requiem, uh, you know, a vampire. Maybe again, Circle of the Crone or something like that. Uh, I've used in my Changeling the Lost Venice setting before. I've had like Prometheans turn up or Pandorans. Uh, mm. Ghosts, obviously, are very easy. I think I've had, no, actually, also in the same chronicle for Changeling, I've had Sinitas turn up because in Venice, there's a particular place that's very haunted called the, the House of Ghosts. Um, so the idea of this casino of spirit, uh, casino is, is called like Casino de Spiritus or Spiriti, I can't remember the name, but the idea of this place, which is just like de facto kind of city to central where, you know, changelings go to chat when it's like totally out of their ballpark to deal with. Um, I've had changelings uh, in the same chronicle go into the upper depths of uh, the underworld. 
so they've been through an Avernian gate. So pretty much Geist is really dead easy to mix into anything, either Sin Eaters or the antagonist, because the underworld is such a prevalent part. Ghosts are prevalent no matter what game uh, game setting you're playing. Uh, likewise, spirits are kind of similar. So I think, uh, you know, having crossover between... I've not done crossover between Mage and Werewolf yet, but I, that I could do. Uh, we've I've also done, obviously, Mike, we wrote um, uh, Ashes of Memory, which is a Geist scenario, but actually has an antagonist. Spoiler alert, is a slasher. So that's crossover yep. kind of with content with Hunter. Hunter being really easy to cross over with as well. Yeah, definitely. Hunter Hunter mixes and matches with everything. But, but uh, just kind of listening to uh, some of your some of your crossovers there, Chris, uh, it was primarily NPCs, right? You weren't actually mixing and matching different, like a, a crossover party of of different supernatural creatures. No, I I tend not to do that because, uh, especially if you're playing a particular game, because you want to focus on its themes and using antagonists from another game line helps sometimes you can keep to the themes you want but also add some curveball to it because it adds an element of an extra element of mystery uh so that's that's generally why i, I do that yeah yeah that's definitely awesome and chig what about you oh back in uh my college days uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely played in at least one Possibly multiple. I'm not gonna not gonna say here. Uh, Super friend style games where you know everybody was a different splat from a different game line. Uh, so those were those were different. Those were technically World of Darkness games. Uh, for my own games, uh, like like Chris, I've mostly run with uh, NPCs. Uh, I had a real fun Kiasid uh, character in a uh, Changeling uh, Chronicle who uh, served as an antagonist. And kind of, you know, source of information at some point for the the group. Uh, I ran a mage game once that uh, dealt with uh, the worm as a uh, as the bad guy, the big bad. Uh, mm. You know, it's right there in the book. You know, they're infecting the special projects division. So you know, you gotta gotta lean into that sometimes. But yeah, mostly mostly NPCs. Gotcha. Cool. All right, interesting. So, I mean, that kind of sets us up and, and kind of establishes that uh, I guess the three of us all like to use crossover elements, uh, usually as NPCs, although these days, not so much in like the uh, the uh, cross-platform uh, player characters, uh, if you will. Interesting. So, yeah, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to establish that is because, you know, the three of us and a lot of other hosts on the show were all big uh, members of Shadow and Essence. And, you know, back in the day when you went on there and started to talk about crossovers, get some recommendations, inevitably someone, possibly me, uh, would come into the thread and say, like, oh, you shouldn't do crossover. It's When you do that, it's just going to dilute the themes. That's really going to detract from the experience, which is true. That is actually, you know, yeah. a very valid uh very valid consideration but i think on this episode we really want to move beyond that and we want to start coming up with some solutions uh for how to tackle crossover and give people some ideas for how they can cross over not only npcs but also the player characters as well because i think that's the really interesting challenge which could end up being very rewarding so the, the problem is dilution of themes so my initial solution, just thinking about that is, well, how do we get around that? Let's find common ground uh, between these different like supernatural types 
and also um, try to figure out some shared themes between them uh, to give you an avenue to really explore more specific stories that different supernatural types, different creatures would be able to kind of act as foils for. Mm -hmm. So what's a good example of that? What are, what are some games that have a lot of uh, uh, crossover between the um, different themes? Okay, I think um, obvious, I'm going to work with Chronicles of Darkness because I think it's uh, the stuff that I've worked with most. And mm -hmm. I think certain games, I think the ones which have the most automatic kind of sense of crossover, I think are games like Mage, Werewolf, and Geist. And the reason I say that is that mages often can interact, well, I say often, likely will at some point, interact with other realms. And Werewolf obviously has, as a major facet of it, is interacting with the spirit realm. And likewise, Geist has as a major facet of that, interacting with the underworld. And the antagonists that appear from all those three game lines, like oh, obviously with Mage, you can go to supernal, uh, the supernal realms, or maybe you'll tap into Inferno with demons. The fact is, all those antagonists that could and will spring up ultimately run off the same mechanics first of all so that's that's a good thing they run off the, the basic mechanics for spirits and ghosts which are presented in the chronicles of darkness core book so hey that's our life made really easy so then that means we can focus on theme and mages get xp for interacting with other things that you know for getting getting new experiences and then there they can act as the the middle ground for the other groups that you bring into your crossover, especially if you're doing uh, stepping in into other realms. So, you know, mages could help bestow on others the ability to see other entities or see magic or other magical abilities. Wells, I think, can likely have a power that does the same, but they can also open potentially open gateways into the spirit realm for people that are unable to do it themselves. Likewise, Sinitas can do that with the underworld. So I think they share, definitely share a theme of we are guardians of this mortal realm and have to keep some sort of balance with only true of, of werewolf. And, you know, you'll get, you could easily as, as a, as a storyteller, uh, create, you know, really work out the metaphysics, the feedback loops of, you know, someone gets murdered, maybe they're murdered by some ghost that's that's uh, escaped from the Autothonius uh, deaths, causes a change in the spirit realm, which brings forth murder spirits or some type of spirit. And that may also start having some implications on how the supernal realm. So I think understanding that feedback loop could be quite powerful. Uh, and the ideas of feedback loops obviously can get really interesting when you start possibly switching out some of the groups. So, or werewolf for uh, changelings, and thus that, and thus with that comes the hedge, uh, and that brings up uh, other entities. And of course, in Changeling Lost Second Edition, there are such things as hedge ghosts. So you've got some really fun interaction there. So that's the theme: is other realms and how does it impact our world and finding a balance. I think that's an easy theme that those game lines have. Alternatively, though, I think you can look at themes about being a created being of some such. 
obviously Promethean has that, uh, but you can also explore that in conjunction with, say, uh, Deviant the Renegade when that's out, because uh, Deviants are in a form some sort of created entity, though, you know, not mm -hmm. created whole cloth as a, in the same way as Promethean, but they have the same, I've, I'm the product of an experiment. Uh, because Prometheans have to be created that final step as an experiment by a Promethean trying to reach uh, reach their to become human, uh, the Golden Dawn, or uh, or by a um, uh, what is it by a human mortal uh, demiurge? I think is the term that makes a uh, makes a Promethean. But also similarly, and we've covered this before. I think Prometheans are actually um, as created beings have some similarity to uh, the the Risen uh, because they can be put into brand new bodies if they get destroyed and they're, they're, they're again pulled apart, put back together for their god in the duat to to utilize and as they as they grow in power, I say grow in power, but they regain memories so and become more and more human again. So Prometheans are trying to aim to become more human whereas mummies are slowly remembering what it means to be human i think that theme you can easily quite you could quite easily use as well with a vampire which is striving to stay human um perhaps and there's some really good thematics in there because prometheans have a sirens so they've got a, a group of prometheans who see a lot of uh their their ideas their theology is based around osiris was the first of their kind uh but then you have with mummies Osiris, that mythology is baked into that setting. And with uh, Vampire the Requiem, uh, we can go really hardcore on the mummy idea. You could go with the post-death embrace. So these are vampires that have been embalmed, preserved before being embraced. And that's what the Meket vampires do, who also have an Egyptian uh, history and ancestry to them. So, you know, you could square the circle with that group of players really easily. Hell, throw in some Sin Eaters and have their entire theology there, their mythology they're building, and build it out of some neo-Egyptian underworld uh, kind of ideas. And you've got a group that's really tied to a common theme of created beings, death, and and uh, ancient Egypt. That's what I would yeah, do. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's a that's a good point about uh, uh, guys the Sin Eaters because they actually make basically make their own religion, their own mythology. There's nothing stopping their uh, their cult essentially from drawing in these different creatures from other game lines, right? So you could all you could have like a high priest being a being the the Geist, but um, you know, there's a mecha vampire in there. There's uh, an immortal from that uh, source book, and many others all kind of drawn in. Definitely a lot of options. You could quite easily have it that the that cult of Sin Eaters is also actually the cult for a, a one of the Risen. So they, you know, they look after the Risen's uh, tomb and all the uh, items that are filled with Sekem. Uh, and, you know, vampires are part of that group. I mean, if you really wanted to get wild, you could more than likely have a, a werewolf or two who belong to a lodge which is themed around Anubis, maybe. Uh, you know, really just, you could double down on that theme so hard and it'd be great. You know, it's very mummies alive, but, you know, with super friends. But there's a, re there's a common reason for why they would work together, both philosophically, metaphysically. Uh, it's all there. Yeah.
And, you know, it's interesting that you were bringing up how Mummy the Curse is so great a crossover in the uh, in the Chronicles of Darkness. Because when you look at the World of Darkness setting, the mummies in that one are, are very interesting and uh, really lend themselves to crossover in many ways. You know, the uh, uh, one of our, our hosts back in the day, uh, Steve, Stephen Vergast, uh, always brought up that mummy was kind of like the glue that held the world of darkness together because they kind of infiltrate into all the different game lines. Um, you know, starting off just when it was this 1992 vampire source book, um, which I think I think it actually came out before Werewolf. Don't quote me on that. It did. It did. And it did talk about the worm and uh, Bane mummies and the like. And um, it, even, it even had some unfortunate paragraphs about... Um, certain magical romani which was uh not great but it, it had all these little elements about the grander setting all in there in that one tiny little source book and and also obviously just as immortal creatures uh mummies would obviously have a lot of overlap and meetings with the vampires themselves so it's very easy for these uh these immortal creatures to um at least one of them, maybe two of them, to end up in a group with, say, mages to enter into that setting uh, or to be working with um, uh, werewolves in their, their fight to save Gaia, for example, because they've, they've been there for so long. They've seen how things have changed over time. And then later, as uh, Mummy the Resurrection came out, um, there was a lot of meta plots about how they could, uh, the, the I forgot what they were called, not, not the Arisen. I don't remember the uh, the specific noun for them, but these mummies would be able to work with the imbued even, which are uh, traditionally the imbued of Hunter the Reckoning are not seen as very crossover friendly. Um, so that was a that was an interesting little hook for them. Mm. Uh, they're the Aminti, by the way. Yeah, Aminti, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I read that one. And frankly, a lot of the proper nouns in that, much like Mummy the Curse, didn't really stick in my head. But yeah, uh, Chig, what... What do you see as uh, it being some kind of easy crossover themes in the World of Darkness setting? Well, every uh, every individual splat has a group. Well, except for maybe hunters, but I don't like hunters. <laughs> so all of the all the good splats uh, have have a group that is you know obsessed with secrets, and uh, it's really easy to do uh, crossovers with the uh, the secret keepers. You know, the Nosferatu, the Slua. Uh, anybody from Wraith, uh, because one, nobody else in the in the uh, the group really likes them, so they're kind of the outcasts already. Um, so it it makes sense that they would uh, maybe look to outside their their home group for for friends and for for more information. Even uh, God only knows what the Nosferatu who lives in the sewer knows, so. Maybe you go down there as a as a slua, a brave little slua, to uh, to seek them out, and you know you have you have secrets that they don't have because you know you're a changeling, you have access to that world, so you're willing to make a trade, and over time you develop a relationship with them, and hey, also you can speak to the dead, so you have a, a wraith who you go you visit their grave every now and again, you you talk talk to things that uh, you know the others can't speak with so you you form a bridge between the groups yeah and, and they meet with the uh, the silent strider who uh you know is able to go into the underworld and, and explore that kind of stuff i like it chig so so are you proposing kind of like a a cold war austria sort of 
you could have like almost a spy games going on where there's all these different individuals there maybe on the same team sometimes maybe not and they're all kind of exchanging information and seeing uh what they can find out about the mysteries in the city and maybe also elevate themselves a little bit absolutely and um <laughs> they can they can send you know the information that they gain from the other groups, the information that those other groups are willing to part with, they can sell it to whoever in their organization has the best need of that, raise their status. And maybe, you know, if you tell the Bruja Primogen to, uh, that, you know, there's an attack planned by a group of uh, werewolves that your silent strider contact didn't like, well, you know, the Bruja Primogen sends out some Bruja to stop that, and maybe they don't all come back. And hey, look, you've uh, you've eliminated a threat to you. So how very um, Tinker Tremere soldier Slua. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's 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 one option. Um, you could get some nice crossover in uh, World of Darkness as well. I think between, like, say, I, I see it in my head. You could easily do. Cer a certain branch of, say, the technocracy with uh, Orpheus Group, because they're very, both groups are quite technologically uh, based, even though one mm -hmm. is like a techno version of how you deal with ghosts, and the other one is, you know, clearly may want to disprove ghosts or may actually like, um, like Orpheus Group's kind of approach to dealing with ghosts and trying to turn it into something yeah. that can be incorporated into the consensus in the fact that ghosts are a form of, let's say, some remnant quantum uh, Bose-Einstein state uh, condensate entity. Um, there's a film called... What was, it, what was the film called? It was on Netflix. I think it was called... I believe it was Ghostbusters. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a really good one. I'm going to look it up now. Uh, uh, it's... Because um, oh, basically they had like... Um, they were using... They they basically three D printed with this uh, with a Bose Einstein condensate uh, the nervous system of people and but these then became actually ghosts uh, and they could view them using a form of um, I think it's called spectral. Let me just uh, let me. Oh, that's a weird that's a weird concept. Well, why you're why are you checking for that, Chris? Chig, in the context of of World of Darkness, you have the technocracy of the mage setting. You know this overbearing monolithic but not really monolithic, uh, uh, scientific orthodoxy. Um, do they even really have a ghost division? Uh, would the Void Engineers be uh, the ones that kind of explore that uh, the underworld and that kind of plane of existence? Yes, absolutely. That is, in fact, okay. uh, one of the things that the Void Engineers do when they're not, you know, flitting about in, in Void ships in, uh, in outer space. Uh, there's a whole group See, dedicated... more fun. Oh, absolutely! Hundred yeah, percent. Uh, Mike and it's I like discussed this off, in the off the podcast multiple times. <laughs> we should play this one shot. We're playing Ghostbusters Technocracy. We're totally doing oh, it. That'd be so good. <laughs> yeah, they have they have a whole uh, a sub convention dedicated to you know, like rooting out the vampires in the sewers and uh, thickening the the gauntlet in the haunted house so that the ghosts can't get through anymore. So yeah, it's. Man, that's awesome. It's a whole was that, Chig, was that even in the new Void Engineers convention book? I think maybe they got a, a, a real brief mention. A paragraph? Jeez. The Earth Frontier Division, mm. they absolutely got a, a notice. And the Neutralization Specialist Corps, 
Uh, those are two of their little methodologies who deal with these things. Uh, yeah, they absolutely got got mentioned, but uh, it was mostly in passing. And then meanwhile, hey, look, space! I feel a Storyteller Vault, feel a storyteller vault uh, content there. It needs to be written up. Um, oh my gosh. In light, in light of Ghost Hunters coming out on Kickstarter, it could be really good to reinvestigate. I looked up the uh, film. Uh, so yeah, it's called Spectral. Okay. And the basic synopsis is that there's a, they create some weird, um, there's the, the ongoing Moldovan war and a DARPA researcher goes out to test his hyperspectral imaging goggles. Okay. Then they basically, um, they're trying to use it because there's an advanced form of like active camouflage, but it turns out uh, they get attacked by these ephemeral beings that you can't see unless you use this form of imaging. And yeah, it's their, their, Apparitions are man-made bow, uh, Bose Einstein condensate, which I've used to explain stuff in my um, uh, how the um, it's how I've explained how the Second Inquisition understand ghosts in uh, Vampire Fifth Edition. Um, uh, but yeah, they the other thing with these strange ghosts is that they uh, they're affected by um, uh, they're affected by uh, iron filings, so they can't cross over iron filings or bullet casings are left behind um, that are used to make barriers. So as a concept, as a single film concept, I thought it was really good and you could totally rip it off for, um, for you know, for Orpheus or, um, or Technocracy. And then, yeah, go into the underworld, be void engineers and actually, you know, do... Screw space. Space is boring. Go into the underworld, find, you know, lost agents and forgotten memos of uh from control and find out who's actually the bad guys in um in your in your part of the technocracy that'd be fun yeah that's pretty good so chig i think you have some alternate ideas for how to tackle crossovers do you want to share those yeah uh i'm, I'm not trying to, to integrate your idea of you know finding the common ground but uh you could go the alternate route of leaning into the differences you know uh, some of the some of the groups in the world of darkness and in the Chronicle of Darkness, they're just that way because they were they were born that way, or they were created that way. Uh, you know, they're the uh, the the Prometheans or the uh, um, I can't even think of what they're called. The new the new book that isn't out yet for Chronicles of Darkness. I'm sorry. Uh, but in the world of darkness, you know, you have the changelings who were just born that way, and you have the werewolves who are just you know they're born werewolves. But then you have mages who go and they seek out power. And you have um, vampires who are embraced, uh, presumably, you know, with their consent, usually. So they're, they're also seeking out something greater than, than they had before. So that, that alone is a, a, good, a good difference to lean into, you know. So I was, I, I'm, a, I'm a werewolf and I was, I was born unwilling uh, with this power to fight the worm, I have to do this. It's, it's my destiny. It's, it's what I, it's what we do. It's what we do in my family for, for generations on generations. Uh, but you went and, you know, sought out some spirits and now you're a mage. And so you're going to come out here and you're going to, to help us, uh, in a quest for more personal power. So there, there's that that difference between the two. You know, there's there's the the fate that you choose and the fate that is thrust upon you. So there's some story potential there. 
Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. I can see this working very well in small scale games, maybe like three players, three player characters, as a way to kind of show the difference between different types and use that kind of that difference, maybe even fractiousness between them uh, to prevent it from just becoming, say, the super friends, um, where they are just a group of people that all team up and fight crime. I mean, Super Friends Chronicles can be fun. Yes, I'm not. I'm not gonna try, try to yuck anybody's yum. It's not really, not really what the World of Darkness is going for traditionally. Yeah, I uh, and that I think you know, just for like a, a quick game, that sort of thing. The Super Friends setup of yeah, you know, he has fur, I have fangs. We work together and fight crime. Um, that's 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 fine, you know, for for a type of story, um, but. I think that's you know, with the original kind of criticism that you often come up to on the internet uh, that it dilutes the themes. I think that's 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 super friends. That is valid, scenario. absolutely valid criticism for the super friends. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, um, lean into the differences. Figure out what makes this splat unique as compared to that splat, and you know, hold them up against one another. Show you know investigate the story there but don't go don't go full hog into that because that's how you get sam hate hmm. mm. yeah yeah definitely i think there's just one other thing i wanted to bring up which i've, I've always found very interesting and this is uh dark ages fey and specifically you know back when we were on google plus and had that community going on i asked people if they'd played dark ages fey before and uh, a few people answered and either two or three of them had actually played an independent crossover chronicles between Dark Ages Fae and Dark Ages Werewolf. And I've always found that really fascinating because, Chig, you and I have talked about Dark Ages Fae at length, not on the show, uh, because we have a lot of problems with how the setting is set up. Uh, specifically, there's, there's no reason for them to actually interact with humans or even the real world. They really just want to stay off in their, their misty other world and do their, their fey politics. So it's really, it's almost completely separated. It's like, it's like Green Lantern where he goes off for, you know, 24 issues to, you know, fight space battles or something. and has nothing to do with planet Earth. It's, it's very devoid of the real world grounding. But crossing it over with Dark Ages Werewolf, um, which is, you know, uh, a less, it's, it's a lot more, it's actually kind of more like uh, Werewolf Forsaken, where they are dealing a lot more with not just the worm and that issue, um, but also the spirit world and kind of a balance of nature itself. Uh, and having that kind of spiritual grounding in the real world, I think is an interesting way to kind of draw Dark Ages Fae out of the mists and back to the world. So I've always thought about that as an interesting crossover to, uh, or a way to use crossover to actually fix a game that has some issues. Yeah, that's actually a, a really fun idea where the, the Fae represent, you know, nature untamed and right outside our door. And the, the werewolves represent kind of, kind of the border between civilization and the, the chaos and the anarchy that is nature. Mm. Yeah. So the werewolves could serve to, to draw the Fae closer to humanity and give them, you know, a reason to interact with the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I also have to bring up another thing which is interesting for 
crossover as well for classic World of Darkness is, uh, of course, uh, Midnight Circus, because that's a a very uh, focused setting and instance because the idea is that you know you would run this for a very short chronicle it wouldn't be your ongoing chronicle but it's a way of bringing together characters against uh, a common foe which is the the midnight circus which has what a vampire and a mage and a i don't remember what the other thing was that's in charge of it a succubus which um, is weird yeah there's there's one other succubus there's one in um chicago by night first edition prestigious lineage but um i mean it's been a while since i've read that but what are your <laughs> what are your opinions on midnight circuses away because also that that book contained suggestions on how to deal with uh crossover in particular with the mechanics of crossover yeah no chris that's a great point i completely forgot about talking about midnight circus um yeah i mean you're all trapped there there's no real super friend situation because you're just like ah we're being tortured um and yeah, you could definitely get a, a couple of sessions of good kind of crossover zaniness uh, out of that book. Because it has the mechanics of how visitors to the circus gain hooks, and those hooks are what draw them back and eventually are going to be uh, the thing which, as they in- are acquired, will be the thing that also drains their soul away to whatever the entity is that controls the Midnight Circus. But that's kind of, it's almost a very prototype to Contagion Chronicle because it's kind of like a spiritual kind of uh, infection that moves around and when it's in a location it starts doing uh, horrible things to the society and city and or, or, or wherever it is, the, um, the location it's in. Um, Hell, you could mostly update Midnight Circus to use Contagion Chronicle and use it in uh, Chronicles of Darkness and use exactly the same themes, but it's actually a mobile manifestation of of the Contagion. Uh, that'd be really cool. Yeah, like, yeah. like um, Mike, I forgot all about uh, <laughs> Midnight Circus when we planned this <laughs> out. But yeah, that is a fantastic uh, addition. Uh, Midnight Circus has is basically... Uh, just one huge adventure hook waiting to draw in anybody. And because it shows up in a random town and sets up, you know, stakes outside of town. Yeah. You could absolutely have a mortal and a changeling and a mummy and a vampire and a werewolf and everybody just gets drawn in for some reason, whether they're there because, Hey, they've heard that this particular circus is, is evil and is of the worm and they need to go, confront it or because it seems like a great place to go you know find some uh, some mortals to to drain or because you know hey it's a circus there's got to be some great glamour going on there right let's go get some mm-hmm. yeah. hey and you don't have to worry you don't have to worry about theme dilution because there's a new theme which is what the hell is this circus? <laughs> the new theme is escape this horrible hell circus. Yes, <laughs> and I think that's the important thing is that that what you just said there is is what you need to do is if the themes of your crossover characters is not gelling together is to is to really prune it down and inject a brand new theme which overtakes the others, which is survival of the circus, dealing with these hooks, this idea that you can't escape the circus and it's drawing you back and i think that's what contagion chronicle does really is it is it you know strips away 
uh, the superfluous themes that you don't want to use from the other groups and you inject brand new moods and themes for how you want to run that particular manifestation of uh, the contagion. The other thing I was also thinking about is with the Dark Ages lines, do you think that crossover in the Dark Ages setting is much easier than in modern World of Darkness? Uh, there's really only three and a half splats in the Dark Ages. <laughs> so yes, for, for that that alone, yes, it is much easier. Do you think thematically it's easier? Because I mean, you're dealing with a time where there's a lot, perhaps a lot more uh, isolation and uh and and more things are unknown so despite the fact that yeah i'm a vampire you're a werewolf it's much easier to draw them together against a common foe rather than in a in a world where we're much more connected and thus much more connected to others like ourselves i have a feeling that uh their year of the comet chronicle was kind of aiming for that where you know you draw in the various splats and give them a common foe and a common theme something to to fight against mm. so yeah I, I think i think it might be yeah i think also i think with dark ages as a setting you've got much more potentially you there's much more influence of of things within society that is common to all those groups so uh the influence of religion could be quite powerful the fact that you might have a vampire you might have a werewolf you might have a mage but actually the thing that draws them together is say their their christianity maybe and how they interact with that in their own unique ways but the thing that binds them together is their faith so maybe that's the thing that's easy to bind characters together in dark ages that faith has is much more of a part of people's everyday lives that would uh very quickly eliminate the uh, the fae from the group uh, but yeah, yeah. Mm. but i mean that's assuming that you you go with christianity uh yes there. of course but but Jacob, the dark, you the dark ages if you don't go with christianity you can't have the inquisitors then darn uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. Anyway, uh, Chris, uh, we're, we're kind of running low on time here. Um, yeah. But could you give us some highlights on the uh, Contagion Chronicles? Yeah, sure. So Contagion Chronicle, as I said, is for Chronicles of Darkness. And the thing it brings straight away for bringing together all the different splats is there are a bunch of uh, groups uh, which are called... Um, which are called the Sworn or the False. So these are... You can kind of think of them as either like covenants or, or say, an order or a tribe or, or some such. And so each of these groups has a particular view on what the contagion is, what is what it's about. So, for example, the cryptocracy, which is one of the sworn who wants to fight against the uh, contagion, believes that the contagion is actually a form of social entropy. And so... You know, it says about what they do, how they operate, where they came from, what they do when the contagion is in remission, and the type of people that are drawn to it, and also what their vector is. So a vector is a shared power that any of the splats in that group can make use of. And the fun thing about these powers is that they, while it has a basic core mechanic, which any of the creatures can use it also has some themes and uh it, they're kind of like specialities or variants which say if you're a changeling using uh, that vector it also you get certain bonuses if you use it in a particular way so 
for example, the, the Rosetta Society sees the contagion as a message. It's some strange kind of rogue code of the God machine. So again, the contagion also is, a, is part of the God machine. It's, it's something is wrong with the God machine. It's something fighting against the God machine, or it's a, a, a dark reflection of the God machine, or it's the God machine out of control. Uh, so you're using the God machine, as we've seen from the core book and in Demon, as a way of integrating all these groups together. So uh, it's it's really cool that you've got this new, you've got this these powers that you can use to uh, bring them together. The false are kind of like the sworn, but they kind of want to use the contagion for their own ends. So either they want it to spiral out of control, or they just want to manage it but use it as their own personal weapon. So uh, let's have a look at an example uh, vector, for example. Let's again. I said, uh, let's see. Let's go for a quick one. Um, so there's the the Jeremiad. They're a group that are, are bound together by faith. Uh, they see that the the contagion is a is a price to be paid for the sin of of the world, and so one of their abilities is cleansing flame which is a level three teamwork power so also it's teamwork as in all members of the group can use it and make it more powerful and it does exactly what it says it brings forth a uh, cleansing flame to uh to do to do stuff so the target bursts into flame burning with blue fire uh the more that they are infected the more intense the flame and uh the edges are what happens when you're a member of a particular group. So, for example, uh, if you were, say, a Promethean or a mummy or a vampire, it says, you know the kiss of fire. You have you haven't, may have not experienced it directly, but you know what it, the pain that comes with flame, you, why you fear it. And now you can use your fear to fuel that fire even more so. So if you have this edge, uh, any target that, you know, of a successful role also gains a further condition and, and in addition to the damage. And then there's some specialization. So like you can imagine if you're doing uh, a fire-based attack, a changeling who is an elemental of fire is going to be able to <laughs> do this even more on their target. Or say uh, a member of the hunters who are of the lucifuge also gain a particular benefit. So there's some mechanical stuff in there. And then beyond that, uh, we also have uh, a good amount of discussion about uh, what we've really been talking about is how to bring the characters together, how to strip away the superfluous themes of the other game lines so that you know you can really focus in on uh, the themes that you want to cover from Changeling or Mummy in your little group, but also apply on top of that uh, the the the, the the contagion chronicle that you're using uh there's also some guidelines in here like you could even have as a member of some of these groups like the false or the sworn uh it's quite possible you might have a member because the false actually the false are a different group they're not actually a playable group they're a bad guy group but the whereas in the sworn can be made up of say vampires mages werewolves the false are made up of the antagonist group so what happens when a member of the strix interacts with a Sentamani and interacts with a uh, an angel of the god machine. Um, you know, that kind of craziness. So they're the bad guy groups, and you've got stuff for how bad guy groups cross over as well. Um, so yeah, it really goes into those, into those details, uh, the themes, some new uh, 
conditions, about the tiers of play for this chronicle. Uh, and also there's something that's really good, which is called Agonism, which you can use in, in any game you want, actually. So what Agonism is, is about good faith. And so it's essentially a way of doing social currency in the game. And you gain points of it if you do things which are a detriment to your character that benefits someone else in the party. But then you can use these points in negotiation to bid on doing an action that the other players think is a bad action but completely benefits you. So it's a way of managing the narrative conflicts of all these different competing groups within your player group. Uh, and then the other thing then you finally get is a whole bunch of example contagions of where they are in the world. For example, in Edinburgh, there's the contagion of blood. And so the contagion is spread through a uh, an infection in the blood. Obviously, that means there's a good amount of crossover with vampire uh, and also a bit with um, Geist because there are, uh, there are um, these servants of the main villain who are ghostly in their nature called the dead swarms and then there's also the main villain i'm going to go spoiler alert on this is a is a mummy from another reality so there's also these ideas that the contagion is actually other realities intruding on our own um uh, i'm i'm sold i'm yeah i'm now 100 in on contagion chronicle yeah. Um, the other one, obviously, uh, and I think this is what Matthew Dawkins used at UK Games Expo for the Contagion Chronicle kind of event that we ran. Uh, one of the locations is, is Antarctica, and it's essentially Contagion Unbound. It's full on the thing. It's full on alien, you know, Cthulhu kind of cosmic horror madness because it's a the idea that as the ice caps are melting things that were once forgotten are you know coming back to the surface so uh yeah it's it's a really fun book it's got a lot of stuff in there that you don't need to use uh treat it as a textbook find the bits you want to use find the location you want to use i mean one of the places is milton Keynes. it uses in the uk milton Keynes is a purpose-built city on a grid system it is a soulless place uh basically and the contagion there is flux because it's the idea of a, a promethean who gets created and is actually embedded into the entire city and is trying to make the city its own body stuff like that it's mental there's lots of crazy ideas you can use in there um, yeah, I rate it highly. I'm waiting for my print-on-demand copy to uh, arrive. Um, I'm not going to say much more because it's going to be kind of spoilers, but it all fits what we've been talking about today. You know, something you brought up there, uh, which I'm a little curious about, uh, is the the kind of like bad guy crossovers, right? So like the Huntsman yes. working with the Strix, uh, etc. Do you feel like that kind of has its own issues with theme dilution. That's not something that we we tackled just before, but it is something I've seen honestly issues with in the uh, the world of darkness settings. So how does how does Contagion Chronicles tackle that, or do you think it's good? Um, uh, again, I've I've yet to really fully delve into that because I was looking more at the player experience. But I oh, think gotcha. okay, I think um, you know, you for example, let's say if I pick uh, one here, uh, let's say yeah, let's take the the group that's kind of uh, opposite to the cryptocracy who are called the Machiavelli uh, Machiavelli Gambit, and they see the contagion as an opportunity, and so it says, what do they stand for? Advantage. They see it's a secret weapon they can utilize. Uh, it has a bit on their history, and then it says who we are. 
So these are some ideas of why certain groups, bad guy antagonist groups, would become part of this crossover. So you've got the Strix, uh, a Strix that possesses vampires amongst the sworn, uh, among the sworn, extracting their vitae uh, while they have control, pass along to their fellow princes. That's what they call themselves. This group, they think of themselves as princes of Fengali, um, to create a uh, addictive in uh, infection vectors they administer to those who. Uh, don't do as they're told uh, and a panopticon see of the throne who infiltrates other supernatural organizations and cuts them off uh, from meaningful contact from each other uh, a hero who captures beasts breaks their wills and studies their kinships and uh, uh, kinship abilities to develop ways of subverting them into tools for suppressing and influ influencing the powers of other supernatural beings a hobgoblin who runs protection rackets and a market where anyone can purchase treatments, trade for information or hire to solve strange contagion born problems and then finally a member, a field agent of the Chiron group from uh, Hunter, who leads raids and heists to break into headquarters of sworn factions and crucible initiative branches to steal their artifacts. So they're basically saying you're gr grouping together antagonist groups who are very much spies and controlling interactions between groups. So I think each one is is a theme, and it tries to marry together the themes of of particular antagonist groups. Uh, for example, another one called the Crucible Initiative sees contagion as a plague. And so it's marrying together an alchemist who's created Prometheans and is collecting infected samples, uh, a, a member of uh, a devoted chimeric, which I think is from Deviant, is, 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 create, is created from werewolf DNA, uh, whom the initiative coerced into jo joining as the perfect contagion hunting weapon yeah or a mem and also in that group an example is an member of the ordo draco who rounds up contagion uh kindred contagion vectors and performs experiments on them so they're not also just the antagonist groups they're mixtures of antagonist groups with other groups that would normally be player groups so all of this is mental like these are like the the massively crazy crossover groups so you could actually have i think in one of the examples of one of the of the sworn is like one of your group could actually be like an angel who's like actually i need to join you i'm I, i'm you know they're an antagonist to demons but actually with a mage and with a promethean that angel is actually a full on good guy of your party <laughs> it's it's crazy interesting cool Nice. Uh, anything else we want to discuss on uh, the Contagion Chronicle, or should we move on to uh, a couple of our specific listener requests? Yeah, when we decided to do this topic, uh, I went over to the Darker Days Discord and asked if anyone had any questions they wanted us to uh, answer or topics to expand upon. So for the first time ever, as far as I can remember, I present Darker Days Listener Questions. Uh, first up, we have uh, Senile Philosophy, uh, who wanted to know how Prometheans would act around demons and vice versa. Uh, Prometheans deal with angel and demon-like beings during their pilgrimage, and uh, demons happen to fit both those descriptions, uh, not to mention Kashmalim connections to the god machine. So Yeah. Well, the Kashmalim aren't specifically tied to the god machine. The entities brought forth uh, from the principle, so they represent either uh, positive, uh, you know, the positive change uh, of of 
of the principle, or they can be a negative form, so they can be related to flux. But yeah, they, they could be considered angelic. Uh, obviously, demon has demons and also has angels of the god machine, and the god machine is some, you know, cosmic thing that controls reality. Uh, the god machine is very stasis-like. It's moving towards something with its infrastructure, whereas uh, the principle is looking for dy dynamism and change in reality, which is what Prometheans represent in, in some ways, because they're changing and becoming mortal. But the thing is, and I think, Mike, you made this comment, is that the thing that actually ties these groups together more, and why it's most interesting, is that Prometheans are created entities, and so are creating an, a, a, an identity, whereas demons are constructed identities, or even make use of patchwork identities that they they take parts from in part of bargains and they construct patchwork covers or they steal someone's soul completely and take over their identity so there's there's a lot thematically there uh yeah so there's a lot of great story potential between the two i think and i think senile philosophy was was correct to kind of point out the similarities between the uh the kashmalam and angels themselves and, and, and demons from demon descent, because as a as Prometheans start hanging around with demons, let's say, which are you know kind of similar to the uh, Kashmalam, they may start to kind of create their own new sort of refinement. I'm kind of calling it like a fluid refinement, um, which is actually mostly about being able to shift or change their identity, similar to how they view the uh, demons doing it, which could be really cool. I was also trying to look through demon the descent to see if there are any powers. Uh, that were as written that would allow a demon to emulate a Kashmalam. And I didn't really see any, but that could be a pr pretty cool idea to kind of give them some powers that they could perhaps be fooling or influencing some Prometheans. Um, and maybe there's something in one of the, the source books which could be uh, uh, pretty cool as well. Yeah. Uh, another, another shared theme between the two uh, is the fact that they both kind of, they might need to be on the move. Um, mm. Because, of course, the Prometheans in Promethean Created, uh, they're sort of a, a blight on the world in their current state, which creates this sort of wasteland effect, uh, which will, um, uh, it, it deteriorates the land around them, causes decay in the plants or, you know, coal burning fires underground uh, and, and stuff like that. And this forces them to keep on the move, especially in Promethean First Edition. Uh, demons as well might be on the run from the angels. Uh, you know, they, maybe their cover was blown and they they need to be on the move, or maybe they're sort of engaging in maybe like a guerrilla warfare kind of situation against the uh, god machine, where they're moving around the the country or or continent and hitting different pieces of infrastructure. So there's a lot of reasons um, to have these two groups kind of stick together and be on the move. I was going to say the other thing is the idea of firestorms, also a kind of uh, a feature of um, the wasteland effect, because that's when mm. flux builds up, uh, and um, and that can be could be detrimental, or it could be a benefit to the machinations of the uh, of the god machine, because it may want to have a piece of rogue infrastructure destroyed, or uh, or you know the demons can see that as beneficial. To destroying a part of the god machine's infrastructure so um you and it's more than god you could potentially even have a kashmalim uh, a kashmalim like manifest and come into direct conflict with an angel 
Uh, and that in itself could be a, a grand kind of set piece in your chronicle. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and another note I had here was kind of this question as to, you know, what if what if you decide in your chronicle? I mean, it's up to you. You you control everything. Yeah. What if the Kashmalam are angels of the God Machine? Maybe maybe they're a different type of angel. Um, you know, people that know a lot about uh, angelology uh, know that there's there's all different types, and they all have different functions and different. They look different. Um, so that definitely is a uh, a possibility that the God Machine has these these different types. And that brings up a lot of questions, but I think it'd be really cool, Chris, as you're bringing up, maybe the God Machine through these Kashmalam is influencing these Prometheans. And we know that that most Prometheans really don't finish their pilgrimage. Uh, a lot do build up that flux. Some become Sentamani, some just are consumed by the um, uh, Pandorans and the like. So maybe these Kashmalam, some of them really kind of influencing them negatively, maybe to create those those firestorms and the like. Which mm -hmm. means that demons might be out to protect the Prometheans to help them along on their pilgrimage and hide them, uh, kind of keep them under the radar of the Kashmalam and the angels. So that could be pretty fun. Also, never forget that you can, if you want to really put in curveballs, you can just have demons from the Inferno, which are different to demons of the God Machine. Mm -hmm. And then you're really messing with people's heads on what, to, what they understand uh, about reality. Uh, or even demons from uh, uh, demons summoned forth by mage from uh, from uh, pandemonium, which is a supernatural realm. Yeah. So de the word demon is open to abuse, just as angel is open to abuse. Yeah. In Hunter First Edition, there was always kind of the uh, question as to what the demons that uh, uh, influenced the Lucifuge really were. Were they the Inferno demons? Were they the ones from Mage? Were they something different? Yeah. Um, it seems like in second edition, they changed it to be the demons of demon, the descent, but I kind of like the idea that it could be a, a entirely different thing, a fourth or fifth type that, uh, are out there, um, just kind of based off of, you know, what culture you're from and, and, uh, what your, your kind of perception is. There's many different things that could be a demon. Okay. Um, so moving on, uh, what's our next question? So Terry Robinson of the great mage the podcast says in world of darkness the failure i see a lot of crossovers is maintaining skepticism it's the world of darkness yet crossover games seem to involve implicit trust that shouldn't seemingly be there so the question is how do you maintain that skepticism or overcome it uh so yeah guys how would you go about this how do you answer this problem well, um, this is going to be a full-on crossover chronicle with Canites and Garu and Kithane all working together for some goal. Then the easiest way to overcome their assumed and implied skepticism of one another is to give them something bigger to handle. Uh, the enemy of my enemy might not be my friend, but they could be my ally for a small, brief period of time. Uh, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to bring you know the uh, my new vampire buddy back to the cairn to meet the elders, but I won't necessarily stake them in the street at the first sign of, uh, of worm taint. So mm -hmm. this kind of harkens back to our earlier discussion of uh, the Midnight Circus. Uh, you just give them all something worse than one another that they have to deal with together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just realized, uh, sorry, I'm going to just, as a, as a brief segue, I, we've got another excellent thing for crossover uh, is um, the Risen uh, in uh, in wraith because they use uh, yep. vampire disciplines which we've spoken a lot before but yeah that's a great way of getting your wraith crossover with uh, vampire and uh, i think 
but this as well with the skepticism is also is as you say is to also you can looking at the risen is you could kind of ramp up the similarity so the players all know their characters out out of out you know being the players they know their characters are different but you could actually go i'm playing a risen but everyone thinks i'm a vampire and all the vampires are like he's a vampire yeah that's great he's one of us um that's a quick way of maybe uh ad allowing some further integration in the group um you could p possibly do that with mage in some way as well like a mage is able to shape shift and therefore has a lot more in common with the uh, garou yeah absolutely um Every every group has crossover potential or even crossover splats. Yeah. So, um, so alternately to that uh, solution, uh, you could go a, a smaller scale route, where you know it, it's me and my my scummy buddies against the world. Uh, like I like I was saying, most of the game lines have splats that were designed to interact with the others. Uh, you know, mentioned earlier the uh, the Slua, the Nosferatu, the Wraiths, the Silent Striders, the Euthanatoy, and on and on and on. And uh, with the surprising dearth of awakened individuals in the world, uh, there's nothing to say that a ragtag group of random supernaturals uh, couldn't c come together for self-preservation against mortals or the technocrats or the sabbat or whatever if they're the only supernaturals in their town. Mm -hmm. uh, it's better to be the Prince of Gary, Indiana, than a pawn in Chicago, right? Well, yeah. maybe not. Uh, if Chicago starts moving south into your town, then you got to get whatever help you can. Yeah, Jake, it's interesting that you you brought up um, uh, several different options of kind of you know uniting people, maybe against like a common threat or the like, and that's a good way to kind of uh, get over the skepticism. But I think another option would be to just cover that as part of your session zero as you're making the characters uh, and discussing their backgrounds, their different connections and the like, that would be a great way to kind of explain how these characters overcame their skepticism. Um, because you could do that as part of your role-playing game. You know, the first couple sessions, everyone's skeptical, everyone's kind of, you know, maybe you have some spy games kind of going on as people figure out what each other's character is. And that could be exciting. Or it could kind of bog down your game because uh, you want to get to some different kind of bigger plot. So I think using the, the session zero as a, a way to just kind of explain how these different uh, disparate characters came together is a really great option. Yeah, I think establishing yeah. your group template is really important. I mean, I think we've covered also a lot of that with, um, you know, it's a, it's a common problem to other games. I mean, you only have to look at Wrath and Glory. Why is this? Why is this Imperial working with this Orc and this Eldari? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you can get past that quickly, you can get more to the interesting um, bits in game. Okay, and uh, coming up is the uh, last question here. Siobhan Wheel asked us uh, over eBay uh, <laughs> back in the day, uh, this is actually from two years ago, uh, about how to crossover Change the Lost and Promethean the Created. And, you know, uh, something, this is an interesting one, because something I didn't talk about before um although we kind of we were talking about it a little bit between uh, uh dark ages fey and uh dark ages werewolf um is this issue that a lot of this different like kind of supernatural creatures have their own personal other world right um for changeling the lost they have their hedge uh the werewolves cross over the gauntlet mages can pretty much go everywhere um uh, beasts have their own primordial dream uh and the like 
and it's really difficult for other uh, types of creatures to interact with those. Um, sometimes there's crossover rules, sometimes there aren't. Mm. So changelings, a, a lot of their themes and ideas have have to do with the hedge. You know, it's the place where they were trapped for some time, they were tortured, abused there, and they finally made it home back to the mortal world. However, uh, they still have interactions with the hedge pretty often. And the Prometheans are really grounded in the mortal world. Um, so we need to figure out ways that, uh, and common themes that allow these different types to interact, um, typically in the mortal world. One thing I was thinking about was kind of the themes of loneliness. Because again, the Prometheans, as they're created beings, and uh, they have the disquiet so that uh, mortals might not react well to them, um, that kind of keeps them on the move and keeps them away from mortal society. And you also have the Winter Court, which in Changeling 1st edition, I don't think so much in 2nd edition, uh, were very focused on hiding away and separating um, you know, from their former family, definitely hiding away from the huntsmen and the gentry and the privateers and the like, um, and that, having that kind of isolation. But of course, the Lost are still humans-ish, and they're very social creatures, so they, they probably do still want to seek out relationships. So, you know, perhaps in like kind of low population areas, you know, the backwoods of Virginia, maybe in Montana, um, isolated winter lost may find uh, uh, some Prometheans passing through um, that they can they can socialize with, that they can interact with and kind of uh, allow them to get that that sort of social feedback. Yeah, it's always a difficult one where you know, one splat is able to go into a realm and the other one is not really well suited to doing that kind of thing mm -hmm. um i think promethean i'm trying to really think promethean i don't think has really much other than the is it the ogu who can who are like the prometheans of spirit essentially. the spirit ones yeah yeah so they've got nice crossover with werewolf uh changeling definitely harder uh so i think that's where you have to do the narrative the narrative um stripping to really focus in on what the commonalities are and then add some new themes on which which coalesce it together a lot stronger. So I think the theme of loneliness is definitely one you could look at. Uh, obviously, Changeling is about... It's not just about... It's not just the PTSD uh, RPG. Uh, it's about taking back what was taken from you um, and rediscovering what it means to be yourself. It's also about seeing the magic inherent to the world because obviously you've got clarity which is about you know whether you see the underlying magic more or less or do you tend towards the more mundane um i can see that reflected in promethean because prometheans obviously need to interact with the magic of the world to to coalesce uh azoth and become human again so i think i think both parties could actually have quite a commonality in trying to reclaim human well claiming humanity whether it's reclaiming it or becoming human the other theme is that changelings um are trying to flee and reclaim power that was taken from them by the uh by the true fate whereas like a promethean is is trying to come to terms with you know, they they again are the the victim of of someone's hubris in some respects, whether it's another Promethean or or a demiurge making them. So they also have a uh, they have that relationship. Um, 
that's where I would look for things. And then, yeah, uh, I think there's definitely then crossover with other groups that need to hide from things. You know, Demon has its Cold War secrecy, Spy Games, Deviant does. Um, you could do it with Mage, especially if you make quite present uh, groups like Panopticon from the Seers. Uh, yeah. So I think that's pretty much it for crossover. Uh, do we have anything else we wanted to bring up or discuss, or should we go on over to the closing? I think we're done. I think we pretty much covered it. All right, perfect. Yeah, it was definitely a, it's a bit of a lengthy episode, but uh, crossover is a big topic. And you know what? We didn't cover everything we could. And who knows? Maybe in the future, there could be a crossover too. But yeah, let's uh, let's just get to the closing. Uh, we are, of course, Darker Days Radio. Uh, you can email us at uh, darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. Um, you can visit us over at facebook.com slash darkerdaysradio. We have www.darker-days.org where you can find all the episodes, uh, Twitter at darkerdaysradio, and of course, we're on Instagram, Tumblr, on Tabletop, YouTube, Twitch. And we have our awesome Discord where you can go and ask us uh, other questions for future episodes um, and also interact with people like... Um, uh draco on the uh, uh on our discord has a changing the dreaming and mage the ascension crossover game going on right now which seems like it's a whole lot of fun um and was asking for some tips about how to uh kind of mix in werewolves a little bit without getting too much into the lore which is definitely a pretty cool thing so if you want similar crossover discussion our discord is a great place to go and the link to that is in the show notes and chris anything else we need to bring up any other uh cons or anything Okay, yeah. Uh, so we um, obviously we we have ongoing game uh, of Wrath and Glory with Gehenna Gaming on their Twitch. Uh, we have uh, done convention material recently for PAX Online, so you can see our panel for that. I think that should be on YouTube by now, or it's on their Twitch, whichever. It's on there. Uh, I'm not sure, but we're probably going to release the uncut audio at some point yeah. in the near future um and then upcoming convention stuff uh we are participating in uh save against fear convention going online uh that is a convention run by the uh i can't remember what how to pronounce it which group is it it's the badana badana no I don't know, unfortunately. I am not really involved too much yeah, so anyway, um the whole point about that is uh that group is um we'll have the link in the show notes, is about using role-play games as a uh, as a form of, um, uh, how can I say, like, to help, you know, get out, you know, to deal with trauma and stress and social anxiety and, and, uh, and illness. So it's a way of, like, contextualizing your, your feelings and uh, your issues. And so using it as a, as a form of essentially kind of, like, using game, gaming as a form of treatment in some respects. Um, so I think that's really good. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that convention's going on. I will be running three games. One will be a participation game uh, that people can sign up for. Two will be streamed games, one of which is Orcs on Tour, which is Wrath and Glory, basically a tier one orc game based on Gorka It's going to be insane, and we'll have a oh, yeah. do donate to fuck up the players. Um, oh, with no. Things oh, no. involving buzzer squigs, uh, swarms, and, uh, uh, you know, your truck breaking down and. Uh, 
rebel grot snipers and things like that it's going to be uh funny uh and then the other game i'm running will be a streamed game of uh sins washed away which is a chronicles of darkness mortals game set in sheffield uh set before the pandemic as well because everyone's playing students um so yeah that's uh that's going on and uh i don't think there's any other convention news yet uh likely at this stage i think dragon meat will go online so i'm waiting to hear what they want to do as their virtual convention all right awesome so yeah if any of that interests you definitely check it out um uh, gaming is supporting the uh Save Against FearCon, as well as, you know, Dark Days Radio, because Chris is uh, clearly doing a lot for it. So if you want to check it out or sign up for some games, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can check that out. All right. And I think that's it for this episode. So, um, you know, Chris and Chig, thanks as always, you know, for your uh, your amazing insight into uh, Chronicles of Darkness and World of Darkness. And to all the listeners out there, take it easy and have a good night. Yeah. Stay safe out there, everyone. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Occam's Laser.